Hi, I'm Liz Stokel. And I'm Debbie Rude. We're Dancing with Skeletons. We know what it's like to keep our past hidden away, like skeletons in a closet. We also know the healing that comes from acknowledging who we used to be and how much we've learned. So every once in a while, we dance with our skeletons. So come dance with us. Hi, Debbie. Hi, Liz. It's nice to be back. It is. It's good to see you. Nice to see you, too. How's yeah. your week? It's been a better week. Good. It, it really has. I have felt physically better. I felt emotionally better. The sun is out, but it's not too hot. Yeah. And so it's just, it's been a better week. I feel hopeful this week. Good. You look super cute. You Thanks. oftentimes always say, you know, I don't put on makeup, I don't do anything. And today you have makeup on. I know. I decided to wear a shirt, an actual shirt. <laughs> an actual shirt. As opposed to coming in with no shirt like oh, we've been recording. It's practically my pajamas that I walk around in these days. <laughs> You know, those black legging things that are kind of soft. You can sleep in those and wear them all day long. I'll tell you what, the best thing about wearing the mask around town is that I am not wearing a lot of makeup, and I certainly am not putting on lipstick. Yep. And, uh, you know, when I go to the grocery store, I barely brush my teeth. I know. There have been days where it's been like 5 o'clock, and I'm like, I probably should brush my teeth. I probably should, you know, change my underwear. <laughs> Right? It's exactly. It's, it's so it's, bad. I know. It's been bad. And isn't it amazing how just getting dressed up a little bit makes you feel better? Yes. Just putting on your makeup and putting totally. on clothes. Totally makes you feel like, okay, I can I'm gonna go face the day. I'm going to have a good day. I'm dressed. Yes. <laughs> When I was young, I don't know if you went to Disneyland for grad night when you were in high school. No, I don't know if you did I, that. We didn't do that, but yeah, I can imagine that. So my high school went to grad night, and we all had to dress up. So back in, you know, a long time ago, uh -huh, uh -huh. Uh, when I graduated from high school, I the, the women, the girls had to wear a dress, and the guys had to wear slacks, a shirt, and a tie. To Disneyland? To Disneyland. And we wow. would come in when it closed. Mm -hmm. So like from 11 o'clock at night until 7 o'clock in the morning oh would be gosh. nothing but seniors. Oh, okay. And I saw Casey and the Sunshine <gasps> Band perform. That's the way uh -huh, uh -huh, uh -huh, I like it. it. I, exactly. <laughs> and so, um, but one of the things that they believed is that if you're dressed up, you're going to behave better. Oh. So they would have a whole park full of 17 and 18 year olds that were dressed up. And the hope, fingers crossed, was that you were going to behave. And did you? Well, I did, but I was kind of a I was kind of a straight arrow when I was in high school. I was absolutely a straight arrow when I was in high school. So you did um, you, you behaved. I behaved. Uh, I do imagine that some people uh, have the opportunity to uh, not, misbehave. Not behave. <laughs> yeah. But I, I think about that uh, lately in the last few weeks. I mean, I've thought made, about, yeah. you know, how much better I feel when I actually put something on. Yeah, yeah, I agree. <laughs> As opposed to just the jammies. I know. Well, I mean, typically, I'll put a little bit of makeup on in the day, and I only have to really dress up really when I go and sing somewhere right. so but right. it's been 
you know, three or four months now <laughs> since I've had to do that. Gotten to do that yeah, since you've yeah. had the since, opportunity. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. 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 Had, had to dress up. Because the well. singing in public really isn't happening. You can't do it in your jams. No, you can't. Nope. So today we thought we'd talk a little bit about the skeleton of betrayal mm -hmm. and how that sort of keeps us from moving forward. Um, betrayal has been on a lot of people's minds. It really has. In the last few weeks, a betrayal of your leadership or betrayal of your race mm -hmm. or betrayal of your law enforcement. Um, and even your your neighbor. Your neighbor. I mean, just and and when you're on in when you're on social media and the people that you've known your whole life say things that shock you or yep. disappoint you, um, it really is hard to not take that personally. It really is, yeah. and it's it's hard to know what to do with those feelings when you see a comment and it's like, wow, that person believes that. Ooh, and and there is there's a sense of betrayal that you that you feel right it really is and and I think we also have to be really careful that we do not become so self-absorbed and narcissistic that we honestly think that all of those statements are about us because of course they're not right and of course the things that we have loved about those people you know, for 20, 30, 40 years still exist. Exactly. And these really negative things were always there. Exactly. But maybe we didn't have an opportunity to see those things because right. lots of times people don't talk about the, the, the deep things that they feel and believe in terms of their values. They, those kind of get pushed under the rug and we stay on a more superficial level with a lot of people. Right. But in these kind of troubled times we're in, people's real selves show up and and anger and, and, all, and isn't all kinds that, of things come out. So. Isn't that the way it is kind of before all of, before 2020 happened? Um, every time there's a crisis of some kind, just even on a personal level in our personal lives, um, people show themselves to be something that maybe we didn't expect. Exactly, and it could be good or bad. Right. And it's disappointing when it's bad. <laughs> so, Absolutely. Yeah. And so tell me a little bit about your experience with betrayal and how that has maybe sometimes stunted your ability to, to move yeah. forward. Yeah, well, I, I can remember many occasions, especially being a teenager, um, so, being a teen, you know, we're all growing up and we're learning how to exist socially and have interactions with girlfriends and boyfriends and friends and whoever. And I, I had, there were three of us, when, and that's never good when there's kind of like a <laughs> gang of three. <laughs> and Especially it, when you're a 16-year-old girl. Yeah. And <laughs> I really, really have vivid memory, and, and it would be interesting to see. I, I, still, I still keep in touch with one of those young ladies we, we were young, um, <laughs> if, if she perceived the same thing. But I felt like it was, we were all constantly betraying one another. Like it would be, those two would be friends, like really close for a minute, and I would be on the out. And then I would be close with one of them, and the other gal would be on the out. And we, it felt like it was this weird cycle of two against one, and it would kind of cycle through. And I remember 
always feeling, it was terrible, feeling like I was the one that was left out and betrayed by those two. But then I would then be doing it to one of them because something would happen and the energy would shift between our friendships. And now I would be kind of closer with one of them and the other girl would be on the out. And it was an odd cycle. And so that's that's one example of a, of a time that I feel that I can remember when we talked about, you know, when we decided to do this topic, that memory just came right up to the surface of wow. friendships with, with women. Right. And I and I think through my life where I've where I have personally felt the most betrayed was friendships with women. Mm-hmm. And typically in church mm-hmm. and with music and just felt I don't know, just I've had a lot of hurt and, and a sense of betrayal about those things. And we could talk about them specifically, but um, the other thing that I thought is that when I think about the word betrayal, I've struggled more in my life getting over when I knew I, I betrayed somebody um, than when I felt betrayed. It was harder for me to deal with the fact that I was the betrayer. And I'm speaking specifically about my first marriage. And there were a handful of incidents where I knew I betrayed our marriage vows. Not to the point, I mean, bad enough. We'll just say that. Right, right. Bad enough. And um, that plagued me and honestly still kind of can, Mm -hmm. you know, knowing that I did and said things that were so painful and and where I felt like I betrayed him. Yeah. And um I I have to own up and dance with that skeleton yeah. and yeah. So yeah. We talked a couple weeks ago about guilt, and mm-hmm. I think that when those kinds of things come up, it's a reminder of who you want to be. Mm-hmm. And so when we behave in a way that's contrary to to the person we want to be, yeah. then we struggle with that. Well, I think, too... And betrayal is, is a really like hard one. I betrayed myself. Right. I betrayed my own heart, my own values, my own, my own sense of what I wanted. And, and when I found myself behaving in those ways, it was shocking to me that I would be doing that. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Like, oh, my God. I just I I just did a thing that I would never have done vowed would never have done and or thought or said right and ugh, scary and so mm-hmm. having to look at those kinds of things head-on um, have been actually really healing and good for me and you know I thankfully haven't had to deal with some of that stuff in many many years because right. I spent many years in therapy <laughs> that's awesome and, and so how does that keep you from moving forward then it, you know when you betrayed your own mm-hmm. do you does it cause you to question like everything you do going forward or does it cause you to feel like you're not worthy to get into a new relationship or how does that I how think, does that manifest itself yeah. in your relationships going forward well I think for for years I hung on to a lot of guilt for that stuff. For probably a good 10, 12 years, wow. I hung on to to guilt and shame and 
the sense of betrayal. Um, but in that same 10 years where I was kind of trying to figure things out, like I just said, jokingly, but thank goodness for the good therapy that I did have, right. I was able to kind of work through a lot of that stuff and I be, I was, I understood and understand at a much deeper level why that kind of stuff peaked up, peaked its ugly head up in, into my life when I was in my late 30s is when a lot of things just started bubbling up. And um, so even though I wrestled with that and knowing that I didn't ever want to find myself in that kind of position again, um, having to look straight on at the things that I did, the things that I said, the pain that I caused, and having to just, with open hands, accept it. I can't change it. How can I move forward? How can I do things different? Having a deeper understanding of what motivated me mm -hmm. and a lot of the pain from growing up and all that kind of stuff. It's all kind of in a big, you know, a moving ball. Yeah, a big ball <laughs> it's a string. That's it's all a virus touching. that's going, <laughs> moving. Yeah. So, but just knowing that that isn't the person that I am, I you know, but I had some stuff that I had to work out. And unfortunately, I made some little messes in my in my path along the way. There's always collateral damage when yep. we have not dealt with what's yeah. going on inside yeah. of us. And so were you found out? Um, or, I was. or did you have to confess to oh, kind of both? Yeah, I, there yeah. was one one um, the scenario in particular where um, we were we were working at a church mm -hmm. and um, our marriage kind of fell apart again, mm -hmm. and there was another man kind of involved, and um, it wasn't you know what everybody thought, but right. it still was. An emotional attachment that, mm -hmm. yeah. And it was wrong. Mm -hmm. And um, I felt very unlistened to by the staff at the, at the church. I felt like they wanted me to do and act and be in a certain way, and I couldn't do it. I wasn't in a place to do it. I, 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 couldn't, I, couldn't just, I, I couldn't just do what they wanted me to do. It was impossible. Mm -hmm. I was hurting too much. And I, you know, in, in looking back now, I understand that they didn't have the capacity to know what to do with me. You know, here's this girl who's just got all this stuff going on and they didn't know what to do with me. Um, but we were asked to, to leave the church mm -hmm. and it was hard and painful. And, um, you know, it, it, uh, yeah, it was ugly. Yeah. So and I and I still I run into people, you know. Still, um, I actually had to go publicly in front of a whole entire congregation, and it was yeah. Oh, in front gosh. of a whole congregation of people, I stood oh up in a room and said, "Yep, it was me. It wasn't Greg." And yeah. Oh, I really, I, <laughs> so. I'm so sorry. I really struggle. I really struggle with that aspect of. Uh, the church's history. Yeah. Uh, I, I really struggle with that. Well, um, especially because, and I do, I understand, I understand why that's a choice that they have made over the years, but I also know that there were 
probably 99.9% .9 of the congregation that had no idea that anything was amiss. Right. And so now what you've done is gone before them and now they get to have uh, a get, little piece of the pie, but not the whole picture. Exactly. So now they get to walk away saying and thinking whatever they want about you because they don't have access to the whole story. That's exactly right. And they they truly did not have access. And, and I think that's what hurt the most is I felt betrayed in that I felt like nobody was really listening to what was going on with me. Right. And what was going on with me is that the the years of of abuse and things that happened when I was growing up, those things were bubbling up in me, and if you look at um, at people who have had abuse in their life, it's often not until they get to be in their thirties somewhere where those things really do start bubbling up. It's you know when I'm when you're young. You're raising your children. I have this whole other th thing in life. I've got my kids. I'm doing other things. There's so many other things have your attention. Yeah, there's no room for that stuff to begin to bubble up. But it, it, it began bubbling up about my mid-30s. And um, I, had, I had some serious, serious healing to do. Yeah. And unfortunately, it manifests the way it did. And, you know, like I said, looking back, I would I change it? I don't know. I mean, because I wouldn't be where I am now. There's a lot of pain there, but I wouldn't be where I am now. So I can't necessarily say I would have changed it. Right. I do wish there would have been more understanding on the church's part for any people, any person who is broken. We're all broken. We all have stuff. And just because a person is behaving in a certain way, it doesn't mean that that person is that person. Right. I don't know how right. to, to right. say that. And what you really needed was you needed somebody to give you a safe place to, um, you know, to confess your sins. I mean, what does the Bible say? The Bible says to come together and confess your sins one to another for the purpose of praying for one another and right. lifting one another up. Right. So restoration and reconciliation should always be the goal right. and should always be the purpose. Right. Um, public shaming should never be no, that's, that's the, how. the purpose or even if it, it was an un, it was an unneeded, it was an un, desired purpose nobody intended yeah. I'm sure that they didn't get together the night before and say we're going to put Debbie up in front of yeah. everybody <laughs> yeah. so that we can shame her yeah. and throw yeah. stones yeah. at that's, her but that's pretty much how it felt absolutely <laughs> so. that is how it felt yeah because what we really need to do is we need to come alongside of one another um it feels very much like it feels very much like you you are when you go through something like that because I, I too have been well, through something like that, and you know you when have. you go through that, it it very much feels like you've been aborted from the body, like somebody has come inside of the body of Christ mm -hmm. and grabbed a hold of you and just ripped you out, That's... and has kind of left you in pieces. Yeah, I already was in pieces, is the thing. Right, and now I'm in more pieces because now. There's 800 people who think I'm horrible. Right. And it's like, wow, okay. <laughs> and you know, for a, for a group of people who, who love to talk 
uh, against the practice of gossip and judgment. Um, we see right now, we see a president and we see a group of people who say, um, you know, judge not, it's not my place to judge him. And, and that's, those, those are true words. They are, they those are. are true words that it is not your place. However, we also take great pride in judging one another and taking the punishment of one another mm -hmm. in our own hands. Right. Right. And then throwing people away because they, you know, because we're separating the wheat from the chaff or whatever, or whatever, whatever what, biblical. I was going to say whatever scripture is used to, to, to justify those kinds of actions, right. which most of the time that stuff's taken out of context anyways. Mm -hmm. You know, there's always some deeper context. I have learned that, boy, you know, there really always is. Some other context that not that's really not what it's saying, right? <laughs> you know, and I do think that one of the one of the incredible benefits of having gone through what we've been through is to to know scripture the way I do, mm -hmm. and to understand what it what Jesus was saying specifically, um, what the historical mm -hmm. documents were saying, and and how it uh, how it all played into to what was going on in local times, um, and so to really understand that and to understand that the scripture and um, my faith is just a tiny bit of kind of who I am and who I am in the world. It's not the whole thing. Right, right. It, it's a, you know, it's definitely a part of my foundation. And it's a part of my foundation that I don't want to get rid of. Exactly. Um, but at the same time, not everybody has to think that way. Right. Not everybody has to believe that way. Right. Um, and not everything that's said to you is... Um, you know, should be said with the authority that with which it's said. <laughs> that is right. You know? That is right. Because there's an awful lot of leaders that use authority. I had one um, young pastor call me up one time because I had questioned uh, something that was going on, and I got a phone call saying, you're on a dangerous path. Because um, you were questioning. Because something. I was questioning. And he said, God has put this man in authority over you, and you need to submit. So the fact that there was lies and gossip and those kinds of things, I wasn't to question that because I was to submit to the authority. So that's a really, that's a really dangerous, it's dangerous to be the person who believes that you're in authority over another person. Oh. Um, it's arrogant mm -hmm. to, to decide that you're an authority over another person. Mm -hmm. um, it's also really dangerous to be so completely submissive that it, it, you lose sight of who you are mm -hmm. and you lose the will to do your own searching exactly. and your own that, study. That's what I just was going to say. You lose, you just kind of shut down and then just okay, well, I guess whatever they're saying is true, and I won't, and I just won't examine anything else, but mm -mm, that is not, that isn't what we're supposed to do. We are supposed to be curious. We're supposed to have questions. We're supposed to 
challenge things that we that don't feel right. Absolutely, that, we're supposed to test the Bible's the, the words are, that the Bible says is test the spirits. Yeah, we're and we're to, supposed to do that. Yes, we're it's encouraged, but people. Yes. But again, we're not we're not taught that. Right. This right. is it, and that's the final thing, and there's no other gray area. Everything is black and white, and that is not true. Yeah. That's not how God is. Especially for, especially for women, and it's, you know, I, I hesitate to say, you know, my, my poor white woman self has just been so abused, because that's not, that's not really the case. I mean, as a white woman, I have had a lot of opportunities that other people certainly have not had. Mm-hmm. Um, people of color have not had the kinds of opportunities that I've had. So I would never at any point say, oh, poor me. I know right. what it's like to be right. uh, less than. But on the other is you, being in the church. You have had. Being in the church, there's been a long history of misogyny and mm-hmm. um, you know making sure that women are held down right and uh, it's you know it's well, not okay tell us about what happened to you well let's see which aspect I, I was going to say I mean I know that that that's about four podcasts worth of stuff right right I mean just going back to me for just a second my yeah. I mean there's way more that I could go into about all that but you know, at a different time. Right. Um, there's so, so many people have stories of betrayal. There are so many people that I know and that I know you know mm-hmm. yes. who, who have been hurt by the church and have felt betrayed by their church. Right. And so I want to hear, like, in general from you, you know, what would you say? The big picture. The big picture. Um, yeah. You know, it. It just, I, it started when I was put in a position of authority at this big mega church. I was, I was given a job as the director of drama ministries and it was shortly thereafter, it was probably about a year after I had stepped into that position. And honestly, it was something I did not think that I was qualified to do. I was you know, in my early 30s, and I had young kids, and um, I had done theater, I had studied theater when I was in school, but I didn't think that I was qualified to be the director of drama ministries, and yet when I was asked to do that, it just felt like I was absolutely qualified to do that. Um, I had had a lot of really great training. Yeah. And um, there was no way that I wasn't going to step into that role uh, full force. And I began writing and directing. And really, there was a period of time when it was, I can look back and say, those those were some of the happiest times of my life. Probably. You're in your element. You're in, in my your, element. You're in your creative zone, both spiritually and with theater, and you're con- combining your gifts and your... Yeah. And, you know, in the if you were a part of the church in the early 80s, there was a series of books and studies that you could go through to find your gifts and to find your talents and, mm-hmm. and to find your purpose mm-hmm. in, the, in, the, in the church and in the world. 
And I knew that this was part of my purpose. Mm -hmm. And I had had a very, very difficult first marriage. It only lasted two and a half years, but it was was difficult and it was abusive and there were drugs involved. And and, um, so I had felt, because I was a divorced woman, I had always felt like maybe I wouldn't have an opportunity to right. be in any kind of leadership in the church. Right. But because he had cheated on me, because he had left the marriage, um, I was, you know, exonerated. You were the good girl. <laughs> I was the good girl. <laughs> and so I was free then to, um, to, to be in some sort of leadership. Although I will say I was never paid okay. in my role. Okay. Um, I was still a volunteer in okay. this big mega church that could probably have afforded to pay me. Um, I did it as a volunteer, but I had remarried, I had had other children, and um, so I was, uh, from the outside, I looked very much, you know, put together. Mm-hmm. And plus I had this great experience with the theater and I had a lot of education, so I did a lot of writing and a lot of directing. And the first year was perfect, and I asked other people to come in as we grew I invited other people that I knew were talented, that I knew were interested, mm-hmm. that were friends, I mean good friends, to come in and be a part of this. Okay. And it was, it's, it felt, I mean now that you look back at like, it felt almost overnight that something started to kind of go amiss and there were little whispers and there was, you know, talk about this and talk about that. And I just ignored it because I thought this isn't even true and you know I've been working in theater pretty much my whole life and I know how dramatic people can be (laughs) so this is gonna be fine it's all gonna be fine yeah and um, little by little I had my responsibilities kind of stripped from me and taken from me and when I asked why I was told by the man in charge that he was in charge and I was not to question him and uh, I just need to do what he tells me to do. And it took a while. Mm -hmm. It took a while. There's a whole lot of stories that I'm glossing over at this moment. It It took a while for me to find out, but eventually it all came tumbling out all of these accusations that had been you know levied against me that weren't true that weren't true and you know I mean they were it was ridiculous Uh, the woman who ended up with my job ended up telling me I saw you walking down the hallway and when you saw me you turned and went the other way I have no choice but to assume you're jealous of me so because I turned and walked the other way, coming down a hallway, I was accused of being jealous. And not only was she accusing me, but I, my boss was being told these things about me, that I was jealous, that I was a, a control freak, that I was trying to take things. And you know, none of that was true. Right. Just none of it was true. Right. And all I wanted was to be a part of a team. That's all I wanted was to be a well, part of a team. Well, it sounds like you were trying to do that. And I would have, I would have, I didn't have to be the director. 
I would have been, you know, one of the team writers. I would have been a co-director. I would have been, you know, one of the actors. I would have done anything to make that ministry grow and to um, use my my voice and my talent to tell stories and to to touch people in a creative, funny, uplifting sort of way. And to have all of that just sort of taken from me by the people I yeah. loved and, and trusted and there's, the most. That's the betrayal. That's the betrayal. You don't get, we don't get betrayed necessarily by our enemies. Right. It's by the people that we trust and love. Yeah. You know, typically. Yeah. And as soon as we give them, as soon as we give them access to our emotions, mm-hmm. which in any really good relationship, you're going to give somebody access to your emotions, yeah. whether it's a good friend or a, um, you know, a spouse or a boyfriend or a girlfriend yeah. or a child, you know, those are the people who have the authority mm-hmm. to rip your heart out. Yeah. Yeah. I like to say... Rip your heart out your ass. <laughs> Very painful. <laughs> and that betrayal is really, really difficult to get over. And by the time I discovered, you know, kind of what had gone on behind the scenes, I mean, honestly, it was probably a year and a half of just little by little things being stripped from me mm-hmm. and me being pushed out and the doors being closed for me. And every time I would ask a question, you know, why? What happened? Mm-hmm. Because I'm the one in charge and you cannot question So they're me. not even allowing, a, 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 there's there's no place to even talk. Right. There's no venue that's safe that people can even talk. Right. To me, that needs, I mean, I, maybe it has. Maybe there are some places of fellowship where that isn't the case. but. Right. In the couple of places that I've been and invested a lot of my mm-hmm. life and time, it seems like you can't, there's no safe place to really talk about anything right. that, that goes beyond, you know, what the Bible might say. Well, because the expectation is, is that if you don't come in repentant, then we don't have a place for you. So, um, like in your case, you were called in and you were asked to be repentant, but you were still gone. You were still, there was still no no path to reconciliation. Which in Matthew, it says that you're you're to, you know, take aside the person one-on-one and have a conversation with them. And then if that doesn't work, take somebody else with you. And, you know, if that doesn't work. But the object of coming and confronting a person should always be for reconciliation, restoration, and healing. Right. That should be the purpose of it. Right. And so in your case, there was a little something that perhaps you could have yeah. I, been, you could have restored. I, as I'm sitting here talking to you and, and kind of remembering all this, um, you know, there, there definitely was a progression of 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 things that happened it just didn't it wasn't just boom there is this one incident and they maybe stand up in front of the church there are several things but one of the things that I remember is that I had a I had just started in with my my therapy work and my group and stuff that I was a part of for about 10 years 
And there was a book that um, we were all, all, all of the people in my group, we all had similar kinds of, I'll say, injuries as children. Right. You know, right. we were all, we all suffered similar kind of traumas. <clears throat> and um, so there was a book that she suggested that we all read. And that book was, gave me a lot of insight into what was going on with me. And I thought that if I gave that book to the leadership team and if they read it, and I asked for it back, I said, well, you guys, please read this and this will like help you to maybe understand. Well, I, I really don't think it was ever read and I never got it back. Oh, and, gosh. and I had made a lot of notes and stuff in that right, book, you know, right. um, and, but I, I, I just, I don't think that I was heard. Yeah. You know, like you're saying. Well, you, I know that I wasn't heard because I wasn't you, even confronted, you know, and asked, they, did you say this? Did you do this? Do you think this? Right. None of those questions were ever asked of me. And by the time I was it's becoming aware of just how bad this behind the scenes, you know, gossip and, 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 you know, all this stuff against me, just how strong it all was. By the time I was aware of it, it was too late. Right. It, it was a train that was moving. It, and it sounds like you had no recourse. You just had none. To None. So I just had to walk away. And there was other stuff going on with our kids that, that we can talk about at another uh, time. Because here's the thing. When you are um, struggling in your life with difficult situations that then bubble up, mm -hmm. because I had some stuff going on with our kids that was kind of bubbling up and I was not letting it affect my work at the church, but obviously it's pain and yeah. difficulties that are that I'm dealing with at home. Sure. And as I'm dealing with those things at home, at the church I had this safe place. I had these people that I could trust and it was my safe place to land. Mm -hmm. And even if things were, were difficult at home, I knew that I had this group of people that was my family. Right. And they made me feel so safe and so appreciated. And, mm -hmm, and understood. And, and understood and needed. And then to find out that behind the scenes, yeah. they are actually using any little thing that they can find against me was just so difficult and such a difficult betrayal. Mm -hmm. And so what happens when we when we suffer these kinds of betrayals from people that we love? We we tend to not you know you tend to not want, want to have relationships yeah, with other people yeah. down the road. Well, it may, I mean for me it made me not want to go to church. Right. I mean it was like, okay, I think I'm done with with that for a while. Right. You know. Right. <laughs> of course I was and I ended up going back and and you know, having a great experience at a, another little church for about nine years. Yeah. So, um, yeah, uh, we ended up going to a different church and having um, a really difficult experience. So we can talk about that <laughs> another time. Um, but I just, I really think that something that people don't understand is that when they're on the 
side of good, Mm -hmm. I put that in quotes, when they are the ones that are um, believing that they're doing the right thing for the ministry, the right right thing for the church, the right thing for, for whatever reason, what they don't realize is that there's so much collateral damage. And in our family, it was our children that suffered extreme extreme fallout and collateral damage from that experience at that church. Um, and and then for me and my husband, for both of us, mm-hmm. just... Now, how did you guys get through all that together? Uh, we separated. Um, we ended up separating for a while, and not right away. It was a few years down the road that we actually separated for I a little that. while. Yeah, we were separated for about nine months. I don't think I knew that. And it was really not that we, and we separated with the, with, with the intention of getting back together. So it was definitely, we just, we just looked at each other and said, I am in too much pain right now. Mm-hmm. There is wow. too much going on. I can't also try to be nice to you. Mm-hmm. And, and I think both of us were feeling the exact same way. Did you guys feel betrayal from one another in that maybe you weren't supported or he wasn't supported? And mm-hmm. so there would be a not, a, not a betrayal of fidelity, but a betrayal of maybe emotional support or... Well, I, I definitely I felt like he should have. Mm-hmm. He okay. should have spoken up. He should have done this or done that. But you know what? That's that's if if that's not who he is, you know, th- there's not any reason for me to demand that somebody else try to fill that sure. hole inside of me. Sure. Um, so yes, I think that when you are in the midst of that kind of a situation and the betrayal just feels so, so intense. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I had a father who was not very close to us growing up. Uh, luckily, I had some great years at the end before he passed away. But this man, this pastor at the church, he sort of filled that daddy mm-hmm. role mm-hmm. inside of me, you yeah. know? Yeah. And so I did. I felt like my husband should have spoken up, you know, stronger for me. Sure. And he should have, but to what end? I mean, what would his, right. you know, going in and standing up for me, it's not like he was going to go in and get my job back or anything. Yeah, that was like not going to happen. He, maybe he felt like there was nothing he could have done. Exactly, somehow exactly. Or... And so, you know, looking back, you just, you know that there was nothing that he could have done. But for me and for him too, both of us just said, gosh, there's so much going on and we are in so much pain mm-hmm. that trying to be nice to each other would be just too it was much. just another thing. <laughs> and even now people will say, why didn't you guys get divorced? Because most people do get divorced when they go through that. And um, we said, because it just would have been one more thing. Yeah. <laughs> there was too much going on. I mean, you know, we'll, I mean, we'll tell more stories later, but there was children's stuff and there was bankruptcy and there was all kinds of stuff that, that went on. Lives are so after that. complicated. They really are very complicated. They're so beautifully, messily complicated. Yeah. But wow. I think betrayal is something that all of us have experienced. All of us have, at some degree or another. And Mm -hmm. the only reason, the only way that we can truly feel betrayed is if we have opened our heart to somebody. Mm -hmm. So the 
negative side of that is if you never want to be betrayed, then just shut down people. Then you shut down <laughs> and you never have a relationship right. that's worth, right. you know, but what good is life without those relationships? Well, and I, all, I actually think too, it's good for a person to, to learn from a, a time when you were the betrayer. I mean, I learned from that mm-hmm. because I would never intentionally betray a person intentionally. And so when I learned that I had the capability of doing that, it was like, I was shocked, you know, that I was human enough that (laughs) I could actually commit an act of betrayal. do you Doesn't know it I mean? make you feel, though, empathetic well, towards other people? It does, and it gives me grace and, and to know that I'm a, a well-meaning person, but I'm just as screwed up as anybody else might be. Exactly. And, you know, the difference, not that there's a difference, but for me, the difference for my own personal <coughs> life is that embracing that fact and dancing with that betrayal skeleton, being on both ends of it, has been a beautiful gift. Yeah, It's been painful, but it's been a gift. And like you said, it's made me more empathetic and you more empathetic. Mm -hmm. And I know I don't ever want to walk down that road again. Right. And I I never want to be on any side of that road. Right. The betrayer or being betrayed. And so... It's taken me a long time to to feel like I can open up to other people and to have relationships. And I still am not really somebody that's very open to having relationships because I still have a lot of scar. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of scar tissue that people need to get through in order to get to my heart. Um, But I want to be. You know, I want to be more mingleable. Well, you seem like you um, are to me. Oh, we'll see. Well, (laughs) you are easy because you are so dang flawed (laughs) that I know that's right. That's right. I could be. You know what? Before we before we end, I just want to just give um, some encouragement to kind of everybody who's feeling betrayed. Because one of the things that we love to put on social media mm-hmm. is hashtags, right? Yes. Hashtag. And what's the biggest one? What's the best one? Hashtag blessed. No, oh, I don't even know that. Hashtag Hashtag blessed. You've never. I, you know what? I'm not. You're a, not. On I'm the, not a hashtagger. <laughs> well, I'm not. I'm not the hashtag blessed hashtagger. Okay, but okay. I will say this. You know, Matthew five says, "Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, because the kingdom from heaven uh, from heaven belongs to them." How blessed are you whenever people insult you, persecute you, say all sorts of evil against you and your family because of me? Rejoice and be glad, because your reward is in heaven. That's how they persecuted the prophets who came before you. Nice. So I'm telling you, Deb, yep. we are in great company and we are hashtag blessed we are hashtag blessed and loved and all that stuff so all that stuff this has been a good day liz this This has been a good day yeah we've got so much more to talk about but i think for today yeah that'll probably be rounded out yeah well we're good so thanks i'll I'll see you next time absolutely right